tough love. Popular words. I doubt that there's not a person listening to this podcast that has not heard those two words put together just like that. Tough love has become one of the mantras in modern culture, like love languages or WWJD or the phrase, ask Jesus into your heart. And like many popularized sayings, tough love has taken on an unintended and in many cases harsh meaning that does not bring about the peaceful fruit of righteousness. When you hear the word tough love, what comes to your mind? How do you think about these two words? How do those who have experienced your tough love think about it? How do they think about you? That would be two good ways for you to think about the word tough love. I would love for you if you would spend a little bit of time As you're listening to this podcast, thinking about both the givers and the receivers of tough love, you as the giver of tough love, how do you think about it? How do you administer it? What's the motivation of your heart when you're administering it? Why do you do it? And then the receiver of tough love, and maybe you have been the receiver of tough love. How did it feel? What did you receive? What was your experience? And then also, for those that you have given tough love to, what was their experience? Uh, Many parents could probably benefit by going to their children and say, I've I've administered tough love to you on on occasions, and what do you think about that? How, How have you experienced it? What do you think about me? What do you think about this idea of tough love? I think that would be quite revealing. I would say that in many cases that we have abused this idea of tough love, and that's what I want to talk about in this podcast. I'm asking another question, too. Is there a more biblical way, a more biblical worldview for corrective care? Tough love. Let's talk about it. The title of the podcast is Your Love Should Not Be Tough. It should be merciful. And if you want to read this podcast, I would love for you to read it. Go on, go on our website, rickthomas.net. Look for that title, Your Love Should Not Be Tough, It Should Be Merciful. Let me say at the onset that I am not saying, I'm not talking snowflake stuff here. I'm not saying that you should steer away from administering discipline and, and corrective action and do whatever's necessary, even right up to church discipline where you dis- discipline someone out of the church. I'm not saying that we should be squishy and wishy and all of those types of of things always and a lovey-dovey, be nice and all of that nonsense. That's not what I am saying. Uh, What I'm talking about is sometimes tough love takes on a life that is really just harsh and sinful and is born out of frustration. That's what I'm talking about. That is what I mean in this podcast. Oh, yeah, you should discipline and you should administer corrective care and and you should do the hard thing and you shouldn't be a wuss and you shouldn't be weak, but you shouldn't be abusive and you shouldn't discipline out of frustration. And too many times I have seen people or, or I- interacted with people, rather, where they've talked about tough love and and. Too often, more times than not, the tough love they were talking about was really a a harsh unkindness that they really need to back away from and not administer it at this time because they are frustrated. 
This is Your Daily Drive. I'm Rick Thomas. I'm so glad that you are here. And before I proceed, let me let me get this out of the way. It's, it's not about James. It's not about James Dobson. I actually love James Dobson. I like him a lot. He's, he seems to be a nice feller. I, I haven't met him. I, I read his some of his books many years ago, and, and as far as I know, he's my brother in Christ, and so uh, this is not about him. There's no competition going on here. I, I don't think about those things, who gets what, who did what. The main thing is whether the gospel is being preached, and as far as I can tell, he's straight on on the gospel. He's my brother. And I applaud to God. I applaud God's grace that has been evident in His life. This podcast is about t- tough love, not James Dobson, and, and not not about what he intended. I'm talking about a bastardized version of tough love that I see so often, uh, or experience so often in my counseling over the past quarter of a, of a century. And so it's about a phrase, not a a man. It's about a phrase that that some have taken out of context and have given another kind of life. And I suppose 25 years from now, if anyone remembers anything that I have said, they could easily take my words out of context and misuse them. By the way, that already happens. It has happened many times. I've gotten that email, more than one email, from a pastor who has said, you know, Rick, I'm counseling this couple, and one of the spouses it has a handful of your articles, and they're using them. And what he means is they're using them like a bludgeon against their spouse. They're taking, they're taking what I'm saying out of context and using it to their advantage. And so we do this all all the time. And I have seen many times where people drop the tough love card, and unfortunately, they take the tough love card and they they use it in unbiblical ways. Now, we are all decades from when we first heard tough love. And and again, in my in my experience, in almost every situation, not every, but almost, is taken out of context. And so what I want to do, I want to challenge you. I would love for you to spend a little time thinking about tough love because you've heard the words and you have administered tough love. And I want you to think about how you have administered it. What was your purpose? What was your motive? And then I want you to think about, I want you to think about how those have experienced your tough love. And that's the call that I would have on you to go and ask. Mabel is at her wits in with her daughter. She's ready to dish out some tough love. Biff's teen has broken curfew. Again, he says it's time for a little tough love. Bart is frustrated with his friend. It's time for some tough love action, as he says. Would somebody give me a dollar for every time I've heard the tough love mantra attached to these kinds of tones? It's usually in these contexts where folks want to play the tough love card. Now, since the Bible does not mention tough love, it would be best to start with a biblical framework. Words like mercy and kindness and grace will give you a better frame for your goals when it comes to helping someone change, and it's far better than the words tough love. 
there's so much that you can build out of the word. It, it, these words are so much more comprehensive. You, you can you can push more inside these words than you can tough love, mercy, kindness, grace. These are the words that I typically attach to a discipleship process, and there's many iterations of a discipleship process. Just let me give you one. When I counsel a couple where sin has captured someone, I talk about how a mercy from the Lord has interrupted their plans and has brought them to this place. They see it probably, most people, when they're caught uh, in sin, they, they see it as a difficult thing, a tough thing. Maybe, maybe, God, maybe they see it as God is catching them and, and doing something to them, and that's why I want to frame it as a mercy. This is a mercy from the Lord that has brought you to this place. And I talk about how the kindness and the graciousness, graciousness of God has intervened in their life and stopped them from sinning. It's not tough love from God. Because I don't want them to think about God that way. And too many people do, and you'll hear it in the language. God will get you for that. And and tough love could easily fall out of that kind of, flow out of that kind of talk. It's not tough love, but it's God's mercy. It's his kindness, his grace to the transgressor, to the transgressor's family, to the transgressor's church. These words apply to any person captured in sin. Now, the captured person, again, they feel tough things are happening, but that's all the more reason you want to make sure that they see what is happening through the lens of mercy, kindness, grace. Now, let's make, this, let's make a practical application here. Someone that you are ministering to, a child, for example, do they, do they feel your corrective care? Do they feel you correcting them is more mercy and grace and kindness intervening in their lives or some kind of mean-spirited, tough love? How you think about a concept will set the stage for how you respond to others. And that's why I'm spending time think, uh, talking about your thinking, your thoughts, how you think about tough love, because that will, it'll set a trajectory of how you respond to people when those people need to change. I like how Paul talked about tough love in Romans 2, 4. You know this passage. He says, do you presume on the riches of his kindness, the riches of God's kindness, the riches of his forbearance, the riches of his patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead to change? The word kindness in this verse means loving kindness. God's loving kindness leads to change. Now, again, let me reiterate. I'm not talking snowflake stuff here. I'm not talking about being wishy and squishy. Sometimes discipline is very difficult, but it comes from a heart of loving kindness. It is the loving kindness of God that brings change to someone. That's a better way of talking about the change process. If you want to help someone change, try loving kindness. Now, let me reframe our three frustrated friends, Mabel, Bill, Bart. I'm going to take the exact quote that I gave you, quotes that I gave you earlier, and I'm just going to change out tough love. Here, here they are. Mabel is at her wit's end with her daughter. She's ready to dish out some loving kindness. Biff's teen has broken curfew again. He says it's, it's time for a little loving kindness. Bart is frustrated with his friend. It's time for some loving kindness action, so he says. I was counseling someone, and I, 
I ask a probing heart question as I was discipling them. And the counselee said, you're mean. And I asked them, what did you mean by the word mean? And the counselee said that, well, someone had warned me before before we met that I would get deep with you, with me, and it would be it would be painful, and it would hurt. And I followed up, and I said, "Did the person say I was mean?" And the counselor said, "No, they didn't say that. That was just my word." What they said was that you were rough, and that you you would get into the heart. They didn't want to experience that kind of care. The counsel saw getting into his heart as being mean. He uploaded this, but being mean, which gave him an, a poor interpretation of what was about to happen. He was afraid of the counseling process. And even on the way to my office, he talked himself into being afraid. And he, he prepared himself accordingly because, again, your starting point, your starting point will determine your ending point. And he began at a bad starting place, and he was not helped by whoever he was talking to. And so he entered the counseling session in a defensive posture. He was expecting tough love, not mercy, kindness, and grace. If you believe the change process will be tough, you will get what you expect. To repeat your starting point determines your ending point. It would be best to think about any discipleship opportunity. Parents, that's a discipleship opportunity. In the church, discipleship opportunity. Here's the way you should think about any counseling, any discipleship opportunity. It's the Lord doing redemptive work in the heart. Don't narrow it to, don't talk about tough love. When you attribute adverse connotations to redemptive purposes, it's just not wise. Now, we understand that any transformative action in a person will be hard. I've said that a couple times already. You don't stay away from the hard stuff. Don't be the weak, wussy person. But the guarantee is that if you're willing to root out the sin that caused the behavior, then you will experience the mercy and grace of God. That is the language, and that is what's happening. If the sin is rooted out, it is mercy and it is grace. I do not see God's intervention in my life as tough love. I don't. I don't know if I've ever thought about God's intervention in my life as tough love. I see it as his mercy. To think frame it this way, to think creator God would slow down long enough to think about me, to act upon me, to motivate me to change is stunning. Oh, my soul, I could hardly bear the thought. God loves you if you are his. You should not be afraid of him. That's why you don't want to put these connotations You know, we who administer discipline and corrective care, we don't want to use tough love, mantra, language, because we want to make sure that the receivers of it understand that this is the love of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God. That God does not use tough love, but he uses merciful, gracious, loving kindness. The Lord could let you drown in your blood Ezekiel 16, but he chooses to save and sanctify you by his blood. And while I want to be cautious about how I speak for God, 
I can't believe he wants his children to think about him as as tough. I, I can't. I'm a parent, too. I don't want my children to think that way about me. I hope they will remember me for mercy, grace, love, not tough disciplinary actions. And they have received firm discipline in their lives. I don't think that that's how they tough love the first thing that comes to mind with a bad connotation taken out of context. Too often when someone talks about tough love, they are talking about a frustrated heart, like Mabel, Biff, Bart. They've had enough of their family and or their friends, and it's time to react to them in some other hard manner, one that would change them, and that's unfortunate, and, and that's how I hear it most often. I'm okay with a person responding in a hard manner if the hard manner is born out of a heart that produces compassion, mercy, grace, love for the person they are helping. Yeah, be hard, be firm, be corrective. But is it coming from a heart of compassion, mercy, grace, love? The Lord chastens the one he loves. If you're saturating your mind, your heart, and God's mercy, his grace, his love, because you want his fame to spread through the sanctification process with your friend or or family member, then you should expect and experience these three things. You'll know you have it right if these three things characterize your discipline. One, mercy and grace will control your heart. Two, mercy and grace will season your speech. Three, mercy and grace will affect the person you're helping. Let me give you another illustration of a bad connotation because I've had this before as well, and I kind of I cringe when I hear this. Uh, I have appealed. I'm talking about small groups here, and when we lead small groups, if we can, if if God would be so merciful to bring the small group to a place of humility and vulnerability and transparency, there's a, there's a lot of things that go on in small group. I mean, there's a lot of vulnerability, a lot of transparency, a lot of biblical fellowship, koinonia. I'm talking about. And when that happens, I mean, people are revived and refreshed, and and sometimes there's some very difficult and hard things that are said. But as we say, every, everything that's, that happens in small groups stays in small group, and it doesn't go out. And so I've appealed to my small group members about how they talk about outside a group, about the depth and the degree in which we, we speak of sin and hold each other accountable within the group. And my appeal is to use wisdom to communicate about what goes on in our small groups. Because there's a temptation for some people to leave small group excited, celebrating, confrontation, (laughs) transformation. And they leave small group, and they'll say something along these lines, wow, we had a great group tonight. We pulled out the two-by-fours and got after it, talking about sin. God stepped all over our our toes. Small group member, he brought his A-game blood all over the floor it was so awesome now that's a bit hyperbolic and i understand but you get the idea this retelling of a small group night it doesn't communicate the grace grace and mercy of god it's a, it is an unwise speech that can cause a brother or sister to stumble it would be better not to talk about tough love 
but merciful and gracious love. Here's, let me restate this, a way a small group member could speak to their friends outside of the group about our small group. They could say something like this, wow, we met God in our small group tonight. He was so merciful to us. Some things were going on in my life, and a fellow small group member loved me enough to address them. My wife was blessed and edified our group. God's fame was made even more fabulous. I experienced mercy from the Lord. Can you hear it? Well, sure you can. You can hear the differences. This retelling is more accurate, and it leaves you with a better view of who God is and how he cares for us, plus his diligence in our lives. It is vital how we think about love and how we communicate its effects on us to others. Part of the problem with how we think and talk about discipline, is our weak understanding of God. If, for example, this happens. If, if things go the way we want them to go, we believe God is good, right? I got what I wanted. I was going down the road. I had a flat tire, and right in that moment, someone showed up, and, and they changed the tire for me and so forth and so on. Yay, God came through for me. I got what I wanted. God is good. And then if things do not go the way we want, we think, well, God is being hard. God's being difficult. We define God by how our life goes. It is our life, our experience that gives us the interpretation of who God is. If we get what we want, God is good. God is merciful. God is kind. The truth is God is merciful, kind, and gracious all the time. Whether we get what we want or not, during the good times and the bad times, God is merciful, he is kind, he is gracious all the time. That's it. As you work through the character traits of God, there's not a trait called tough. As his children, we're supposed to imitate him Imitate God, Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, our aim is, is not to be tough on others, but merciful, kind, gracious, even when we administer hard things into their lives. When God confronts you, what do you feel the most? The love of God or the toughness of God? You, the most, I said. You, you probably experienced both, 1A, 1B. But for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. There's 1A and 1B. Whom he loves, 1A, he chastens, 1B. When God confronts you, what do you feel most, the love of God or the toughness of God? When called out for your sin, do you see it as God's mercy working in your life? The way you think about these questions, the way you answer these questions will reveal how you think about God, and it will reveal how you interact with other people. Question three, when a brother or sister confronts you for a legitimate issue, do you see it mostly as God's mercy or that person being tough on you? How you answer the questions will reveal where you are with the tough love problem and your application of God's mercy and grace in people's lives. Where your mind goes at the crucial moments of being exposed reveals your functional theology. Even if someone is mean to you regarding how they bring their correction to you, and you probably have experienced that, you probably have been on the receiving end of harsh 
I'm not going to say harsh care, but just harsh people trying to make you do things I have. But if your heart is in the right place with God, you'll find God's grace and mercy even through an imperfect presentation. Now, I'm not talking about abuse. Don't go there. If someone's abusing you, no, that this conversation does not apply. That's not tough love. That's tough abuse. That's not what we're talking about here. But I'm talking about people who do care for you. Tough love. They do care for you. And, and they bring corrective care imperfectly. You can find God's grace and mercy even through an imperfect presentation. Those of you that have good marriages, your spouse has corrected you imperfectly, but you have found God's grace and mercy inside that imperfect presentation, inside that imperfect correction. When people like Mabel, Biff, and Bart come to me with the tough love question, which I hear so often, I want to ask them some questions about their hearts. Before we get into a discussion of how they should administer corrective care to the other person that they would like to see change. In fact, you can use these questions here or some version of them. You can change them. In fact, I would appeal to you to change them. You want to be pneumatic and not not cookie cutter this as those as though these questions would map over every person that you talk to they won't don't cookie cutter anything that some human tells you but be pneumatic and adapt it but here's a template of some questions that will give you a feel for for what you want to explore when someone comes to you and and they want like Mabel Biff and Bart and they want to use tough love you might not ask the question this way, but you want to know this. Are you frustrated with them? You need to find that out. Because if they are frustrated with them, then there's a 100% chance the tough love question that they're asking, well, that's not what they should be asking, and it's most definitely not what they should be doing. Another question, do you want to end something? Do you want to end a behavior? And you want to be careful there because that might not be God's will for that person's life. Just because you want them to change doesn't mean God wants them to change. Maybe there's something else that God is doing in their lives right now. And, and whatever thorn that is causing you and you're trying to engineer a process without having the mind of God and having the clarity that you need. And so this is an important question. Do you want to end something? And I can understand the motivation of wanting to end something. I mean, how many times have your children been doing whatever and you just wanted it to end? And then how many times did it not end? And, and there's been more fruit that came because uh, it did not end when you wanted it to. Here's another question. Is the situation you are in an inconvenience for you? And that's another way of asking the previous question. Do you want something? Do you want to end something? Is the situation you are in an inconvenience for you? And, to, and, and so often, that is the answer. I'm, in fact, Mabel, that's, <laughs> that's what Ma Mabel and Biff we're saying Mabel is at her wits end with her daughter. She's ready to dish out some, some tough love. I mean, you can tell 
in that sentence, it really sounds punitive that, that Mabel wants to bust out some tough love on her daughter because she's being inconvenienced. Here's a third, a fourth question. Are you embarrassed by the relationship and how it reflects on you so you want to put the hammer down? I'm going to use some tough love because church people are talking. Imagine that, church people talking. And a fear of man's kicking in. They're talking and fear of man's kicking in. And so it's time for some tough love so we can put the quietus on this and, and just move on to the next thing. Are you embarrassed by the relationship? and how it reflects on you. And question number five, do you see yourself as a person carrying the mercy and grace of God to that person? And again, you want to frame this in such a way that they understand. You have a lot of context. If you, As you've been listening to this podcast, you know what I mean by that, but they might not have that context, and so you'll have to extrapolate it for them. Do you see yourself as a person carrying the mercy and grace of God? To them, another question, do you see yourself in God's place as an ambassador for Christ and an image bearer to the struggler? Talked earlier about imitating God. How are you imitating God, Ephesians 5, 1? An image bearer to the struggler, an ambassador for Christ. And then the final question in this series, what, what is it you want to accomplish? Is it about God's fame or something else? Tough love could be a tough concept to get your head around. But when you think about loving kindness, merciful love, and grace-filled love, your mind will adjust and you can proceed biblically. When your heart moves from the cross, and this is the danger, because once your heart moves from the cross, your counsel will come across more tough than redemptive. May those within your care experience your corrections with love. When I discipline my children, my hope is when it's over that they say these four things about themselves. Number one, quote, I know what I did is wrong. Two, I know what I need to do now. Three, there's no question my daddy loves me. Four, I love him too. I do not ever want them walking out the door thinking, boy, that was tough. If you want to talk about this podcast, please let us know. Your love should not be tough. It should be merciful. Thanks for listening.